1: Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless Your Boys podcast. Blessyboys.com is your home for all things to Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. And hey, Tigers are sitting here in a great position 8 8, 500 ball. Everybody's excited. Um, the fan base is practically ravenous right now. And these are all lies. Um, I'm your host, Brandon Day. <laughs> and with me, my co host, laughing at me in the background, is Ashley and Ashley, how's it going? Good <laughs> to you. Filthy liar! Yeah, I know. You know, if we had told everybody you'd be five hundred after sixteen games, everyone would have been. Everyone would have been very excited and happy with that. But they're not. They're not excited and they're not happy. They're very angry out there, aren't they? Oh my god! Fans can't please you. No, that's that's the passion. You know, it's the the double edged sword, I guess. That's hilarious. Tigers get out to a little bit of a quick start. And people are all the envisions of sugar plums and stuff. That's and what happens it? when you
0: win a series against the Yankees in the Bronx, I guess. Yep. The Tigers should know the second better. Second series of... Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. You get, I mean, I don't know. They're still doing better than what I expected,
1: so... Actually, you know what? They're right in line with what I expected, so... Yeah, like, you know, considering they lost two starting pitchers already, um, I mean, it's kind of gone okay. Like, I know the offense is just driving everyone insane, but... Um, I don't know. I mean, the guys who are going to hit will hit eventually. Like, I'm not going to sit here and and freak out too much because, you know, Nick Cassianos has been kind of eh, and Jamer has been eh. I don't know about Jamer. Well, I guess we'll just have to see, but
0: I don't know. Yeah, that one I'm not sure about, but uh, yeah, Nick was, what, he was battling some sort of an illness too, wasn't he? Or Like Snell fashion? Well, I don't I think he dropped a granite bathroom sculpture on his toe getting out of the shower. So, not
1: quite like Blake Snell, but. Well, no one can do that, but Blake Snell, yeah, that's special. So, kind of a...
0: p- Pitcher injuries, friend.
1: <laughs> kind of a Joel Zumaya type situation. Like, what did you do? It's a very Joel Zumaya
0: moment, yeah. How did you hurt yourself? Yeah,
1: you know, at least it's the toe. You can always just cut that off and still live. He doesn't need that to pitch. It doesn't help his balance or anything. Yeah, it's just in the way, really. Really, truly, that extra toe was it? Was it the little toe? I'm not, not sure, sure which one, honestly. What? You're a rage logger.
0: I know. I know, I know the entire story of how he hurt himself. I don't <laughs> know which toe it is. I think um, Mark Topkin from Tampa Bay Times has it. It's one of the the second ones in, um, and apparently
1: it looked pretty mangled. But there you go. Yep. So yeah, Nick had the toe thing, and Nico was out with the flu, um, and the, the Tigers got I don't know snowed out on Friday with the Twins, and then lost two to the Twins, and now they've lost four in a row, and you know it's the end of the world. It's all coming unglued. Sky is falling. The sky is falling. Yep, but we have we have two things to be thankful for. Um, we'll get to the big one in a second. But Kristen Stewart continues to just come through and just rake, and you know, in tough counts and hit doubles and mash homers when you need one. Um, I don't think anybody could have asked for too much more from Kristen Stewart as far as the starts go on here. He's clutch. Yeah, he does have a little bit of that clutch gene, a little bit of that old bat speed. Seems like every time he he does make solid contact, it's a laser beam somewhere, and uh, that's good to see. We need more guys like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people were already kind of worrying about him. You know, it's it just kind of funny. Like I don't want to like take anybody to task, but. It's just kind of funny, like to watch people looking at dudes' batting averages, like in April. And my God, this is this includes our own staff. I have to, I have to confess, some of our own staff members deserve to be roundly beaten and possibly temporarily excommunicated for worrying oh, about hey. Kristen Stewart's batting average in April. For God's oh, sake! Oh no,
0: but it's not three hundred. He is the worst. Oh no, I'm not saying that. I- Anybody in our staff said this, but it definitely has the doom and gloom vibe to it sometimes.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like this isn't nineteen ninety nine.
0: I'm worried about him.
1: Yeah, we don't, it's don't fine. we don't know we don't concern ourselves too much with batting average up here. My man's drawing walks, he's hitting for power. Everybody shut up. He's doing fine. It's fine. Everything is fine. He's no Mikey Matuk, my friends. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that the 188 BABIP that Kristen Stewart is currently running according to Fangraphs is going to improve. So, everybody can relax. He's going to be okay. Um, he is okay. He's doing just fine. So, yeah, I mean, we've got problems in the lineup like Josh Harrison isn't doing a damn thing and, I don't know, we already knew that the back end of the lineup is going to be going to be bad. Um, that was just kind of a given when you got Jordy Mercer or Gordon Beckham and Grayson Griner and Kobe Jones back there. Um but you know, we knew that going in, and being a, being a fan of a rebuilding team is tough, isn't it? It's just hard to yeah. Hard to know how I to mean, I it.
0: honestly, I think I had the worst of it last year. Last year was really hard. Um, this year, I am seeing glimmers of things to be excited about. Like now that we are getting more of the prospect guys up, um, I don't know. I I think that there's a lot of hope in it, and even though I don't think that the Tigers are going to win any divisions this year, um. I, even though the, the AL Central is a fucking nightmare. It really um, is. Like, it is kind
1: of there for the taking, but yeah. It's not for so us.
0: bad. It, like, when you compare it to other divisions, it's just like no one is trying. If any of these teams were in any other division, they would all be losing this year.
1: Um, but, it's like where the NL East was, like, two years ago. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, there's one team that's kind of good, and hoping-
0: nobody deserves to win, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know i I think that there's stuff to be excited about, and there's it's more fun this year so far. um like I haven't felt quite like the drudgery of watching some of these games as I did last year. um so I don't know, I'm not quite that bummed out about it.
1: yeah, I'm not really I'm not bummed out at all. And, and, I don't know, maybe this is just some of the perspective of having written about this for years and years now and kind of being like over getting too overly reactive to things, especially early on mm-hmm. but. But yeah, I haven't even really, like... I, in fact, I've consciously tried not to give too much thought to how anybody's doing, because looking at people's numbers in April is madness. Like, it's cold and miserable outside.
0: Small sample size, my friends. I mean, if we really wanted to dive into this, we all would have thought that Matt Boyd was going to win uh, the Cy Young last week. So, you know. We haven't given up on that dream. But No, uh... I believe. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very Jacob deGrom of, of <laughs> Matt Boyd to come around. And win the Cy Young on
1: a team that doesn't do very well, that's... The Tigers win, like, 73 games and Matt Boyd wins the Cy Young, yeah.
0: Yeah, man, I'm into it. Yeah, that'd be awesome.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, last year, I mean, I think we tried to describe this way to the listeners and readership, that, uh, you know, last year was kind of the black hole. There was, like, not anything new to root for. There was just kind of the the carcass of the the previous decade to kind of, you know, be put that's off awesome. by. and Yeah. And just be sad about, but, um, you know, this is the year, yeah, where we're starting to see some people. We've got Spencer Turnbull and Kristen Stewart up there making some impact. Um, Matt Boyd is, you know, figuring it out, which we'll talk about in a second. And, yeah, from what I've seen on the farm, like, our top starting pitching prospects have all come out on fire. They all look good. Um, We've got a new... Jake Rogers hit two home runs tonight? Yep. That's his... I think he's got three now on the year. Um, Derek Hill is hitting... Um, Daz Cameron and Isaac Prades, I'm not particularly worried about, and they're both doing just fine. So yeah, there's there's a lot of good things going on. Um there's uh, Tariq Skubel, who we liked when he was picked in the ninth round last year, but was kind of a kind of a sleeper guy who I think all of a sudden is exploding on people's radars because he's a tall lefty throwing mid-90s with a pretty good looking slurve, basically, um and kind of the makings of a pretty good change-up. There's a, you know, that's one of those guys that if you get someone like that in the ninth round and he pans out even as a reliever, you're pretty happy. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, there's some guys like that. Um I think there's there's a good bit to be excited about. It's just, just having that moderation to know that you're rooting for individual performances and guys to step up and not be super mad that we have Gordon Beckham for some reason uh, in the lineup or, or Jordy Mercer in the lineup. You know, it's just, yeah. Some of that is just, just the way Gordon
0: Beckham, who has been surprisingly not bad. Yeah, he's... I uh, mean,
1: compared, compared to what I thought he would do, I I can't fault him too much. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of the same player as Jordy Mercer. Like, maybe he's not quite as good a defender, but he's maybe a little bit better hitter, but but just both kind of bad. But we've already got two kind of clutch home runs out of him, and, you know, he's mm-hmm. come, come through with a double. Like, he's, you know, he's given you, giving you all you could ask for already, and... uh I think he's got a 133 WRC plus so far, which is pretty good. <laughs> that's why you don't look at stats in April. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep, there's just a, a good lesson right there. Slugging 588 with a 176 batting average. That's amazing. Whoa. Early season numbers are just. I love series. them.
0: They're either the worst or like. Because like Rob and I were comparing notes on who would ever the kid who was the shortstop for the Indians. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Eric Samets. Yeah, 088. 088
1: slugging. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Josh Harrison, our second baseman, has his 019 uh, ISO with a 135 batting average and a 154 slug and a 6 WRC. And this is the guy getting the most at bats in this lineup for some reason. Uh, Can we put. All right, so for our first uh, discussion topic here, who, if you were going to pull Josh Harrison out of there, who do you want to put in there right now? Nico. Damn right you do. That's what I think.
0: Yep. 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 Was that a trick question? Was I supposed to try and pick somebody else? Nope. Nico, good room for every day, please. Thank you.
1: Yep. Give that man all the advance. You can I get said him.
0: it before the season even started. Before they signed Harrison, just let him have it. Yep. Let
1: the man play full time and and do his thing. Um. We'll see. I'm going to dive into this, but I'm actually considering an article in which I postulate a role reversal between, Nico Goodrum and Jacoby Jones, whereas Jacoby Jones becomes the guy who just wanders around kind of filling in everywhere because his bat isn't good. And Nico Goodrum plays center field most of the time because there it is. Has Jacoby ever played any other position? Yeah, I mean, he was a shortstop and a third baseman in the in the minor leagues, and it was kind of like the the Pirates tried him a couple times in the outfield, and we're like, oh yeah, he's pretty good out there too. And then the Tigers like played him in center field for a week, speed, and we're like, yeah. oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even on yeah. that Shane Green, uh, that home run he gave up to Starling Marte, like. You know, that thing cleared the the into the into visitor's bullpen probably by like 10 feet, but Jacoby Jones was already there, <laughs> like at the fence, yeah. like if that was anywhere closer, he was going up and, and probably hauling that thing in. Um, he was definitely impressive defensively, but yeah, it just seems to me like, you know, so far Nico Goodrum's been okay in center field, like he let that one ball get by him, but he's actually uh, been a plus so far by the metrics, which should also be ignored in such a minuscule sample size, but... Yeah, I think it could work. I'm, I'm curious to see if maybe this is the way to go um, as the season unfolds, but we'll see. Maybe Jacoby will surprise us, and Cam, yeah, Cameron well, may have been his yeah. way around a little bit with line drives and stuff.
0: That would be a surprise as compared to mm-hmm.
1: Nico. I think I would actually like not be surprised at all to see him be very good. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he's drawn walks, he hits for power, and he's maybe the second fastest, maybe even the fastest guy on the team, so yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We should we should have them work that out. I'll talk to Anthony Fennec and see if he can set up some kind of a uh, a race between Nico and Jacoby <laughs> Jones. We need that. We'd like to know. I would like the the data, please. Yep, yep. I need mean, exactly like I don't want this video, but we need Statcast on this. We need the whole Shebang. All right. So you know, everybody, chill, and we'll just kind of see how it goes. Um, I think what you really have to root for, though, right now, and was on display again tonight, and I'm not talking about Blaine Hardy, although we might again in a minute, um, is the fact that Matt Boyd is pitching great. Like, he had kind of a rocky inning tonight and just settled it right back down. He's punching people out left and right. There was a bunch of weak, crappy contact that went for hits, and Miguel Cabrera screwed up and turned to second when he should have just got the out at first and that allowed a run to score. I mean, it was basically like a two earned runs, seven punch outs, seven innings kind of a night for Matt Boyd, which feels a little bit routine right now. I mean, I'm not mad at any of it. He's but been real don't... good. And... There's plenty of reason to think it's um, it's for real, as our, our boy uh, Sun Min Kim um, wrote for Fangraph today on an article you should all all check out. Um, there's just there's just plenty to legitimize what Matt Boyd is doing um, based on last year and this year. I don't know. We've wrote, we've written about it. It's like the hot topic right now, and it's kind of funny to see like a tiger's, you know, a tiger's pitcher kind of be like a hot guy that like all the fantasy crowd and everybody's well, all like, oh, everybody's got to jump in on Matt Boyd. You need chairs right now.
0: Yeah, it's neat to see people actually paying attention to him, which is especially given where the Tigers are this season that he's really standing out. And I know it was exciting at the beginning of the season to see how well Zimmerman was doing over his first two games, but yeah, with Boyd, it does feel like it's actually more of a real thing. Like Zimmerman, we've already seen fall off and kind of return to Zimmerman form. Um, but yeah, with Boyd, I'm I'm not ready to say that it's uh, going to fall off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it will. Um You know, I don't think he's going to win a Cy Young necessarily either, but I think he's kind of hit that point where he's going to just be a good starting pitcher now who racks up plenty of strikeouts and, you know, occasionally is hit hard because he does give up a lot of fly balls. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see him, you know, pitch 180 innings with like a 3-5 ERA this year. That wouldn't surprise me at all based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's been pretty interesting. And um, yeah, as um, Sung pointed out in his article, and I, and I kind of miss this actually, is that not only is Boyd throwing his four-seamer way more, but he's actually kind of changed his arm angle a little bit to get even more backspin on it. And now he's got uh, like a pretty well above average four-seam spin rate for a guy who was throwing like two-seamers and was kind of a, I don't know, was just kind of a mess. Like when we got him, like I didn't think that Boyd really had anything except as a reliever when, like the whole first season um, that he was here. And I was totally wrong. And he's one of those guys who just seems to have totally taken it upon himself to become the absolute best he can be. And it kind of speaks to what, like, the makeup of a guy can can bring you that maybe you overlook when you're just scouting, like, the tools and stuff.
0: Yeah, and it also goes to show you a guy can build up and become better without being a totally obnoxious turd. Oh, like our boy? Yeah, like our best friend in Cleveland, you betcha.
1: Yeah, it's like Matt Boyd internalized the best parts of Trevor Bauer and left out the turd.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is what you got to do, which I, was, I hope apparently um, Kikuchi was out in the Mariners game today asking Bauer for pro tips. <laughs> and I'm like, I just hope he didn't take his advice on anything other than pitching.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ignore everything but pitching and you'll be just like, fine.
0: Listen, listen to him on the pitching. Absolutely. I'm sure he'll teach you some incredible stuff. But like, then just walk away.
1: Yeah, yeah. Then you, you really do kind of just need to get out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I don't know, Matt Boyd is just, just one of those guys who just seemed like he, he he was willing to change everything because he knew what he had wasn't working. And it's just weird to see how, like, how many guys you think are at that point. You're like, you know, what is it that, you know, is holding them back from realizing that they're just not getting it done with what they've got and they should be trying to make radical changes and all this kind of stuff. And they just won't do it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know why some guys are able to pull that off, but it's, I talked to um, Chris Brown on um, the, the weekend podcast a couple of days ago, and we were talking about Casey Mize and why that was, you know, one of our favorite things about, you know, kind of getting to know Casey Mize was just seeing the fact that he really understood what he was trying to do. And he wasn't afraid to like make changes and try to get better and not just sort of cling to what got him there um, too long. And yeah, that's a, that's a big part of being a baseball player. It's just such a hard game. Um, even for most of the best guys that, you know, you just kind of fall into those habits and you need to be broken out of them. So to see Matt Boyd kind of like take it upon himself and just keep kind of slowly getting better and figuring something out every year has just been um just been great. And it just seems like, you know, you never know with athletes, but it just seems like it couldn't happen to a uh, to a better guy. Really, he does seem like a genuinely good dude.
0: <laughs> like he has like that. Was it in Uganda where he's got the kingdom house? Yeah, Rwanda. He- yeah. Where he's basically adopted like seventeen girls or something insane like that. Um, yeah, he just seems like an awesome
1: guy. Yep. Yep, he and his wife are um, quite the duo. And they've got a very, very cute daughter, so yeah. He's uh he just seems to be in the prime of life right now. <laughs> Everything's coming up well for him. Yeah. Yeah. And I the can't...
0: pitching, which is all that really matters to the Tigers game, but like yeah, he's been
1: awesome. Yep. And he's just kinda got he's been interesting like he fixed that the slider and really kind of dialed that in last year and changed his arm angle and his grip and stuff and like really dialed that pitch in and since then it's just been a matter of like pairing away the stuff that doesn't work that well like he's not throwing his change up that much it's not throwing the curveball so much it's not throwing the two seamer he's really kind of paired it down to four seamer and slider with the occasional curveball and just kind of kind of streamlined the whole thing for him so yep it's all going really well there and we will hope um, we will hope it continues. And that's we don't want to talk about this that badly yet, but it's going to come up and people are already talking about it. But what do you do if Matt Boyd is like just good? He's not great, but just like a good starter all the way into July and teams start calling um, wanting to trade for him. What do you what do you feel like you should do? You trade. <laughs> do, do you? Yeah, I would. I, I mean, it obviously like. You know, the caveat always applies that, like, oh, it depends on what the return is, blah, blah, blah. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'll, yeah, obviously.
1: But, like, I, and I mean, if there is any kind of decent return,
0: yeah, you take that trade. But, um, I don't know. when. Wait, what is his, uh...
1: I think we still have three more years of him. Oh, then keep him. Never mind. See, that's what I think, too. That's what I think, too. Is it's just, like, I mean, if you can squeeze another team because you don't have to trade Nat Boyd into going crazy... Um, you know, I mean, we've been comparing him to Patrick Corbin, and the Nationals paid Patrick Corbin, what, like $125 million this offseason? You know, Matt Boyd is just a little younger and might be just as good or is pretty close. So, like, if you can't get somebody's top middle infield prospect, like, I'm just not going to bother. In fact, I'm yeah. not going to bother trading anyone unless I can get someone's top middle infield prospect. That's all I want. Give me your top middle infield prospect. I want Carter Keyboom from the Nationals or Luis Urias from... The Padres, something like that. Like, it's got to have that as just a starting point. I would agree with that. Yeah, because we don't have to do anything, and I don't know. I'm good with just hoarding pitching. It just all comes down to the unknown factor that we both have to deal with constantly, which is like, is Chris Illich going to spend the money to get a, get a bat or two in here um, anytime soon? Because that's, that's probably what it's going to take, and I'd hate to trade Matt Boyd to have to do that and then have Matt Boyd be good for another four or five years and irritate the crap out of me while we wait for Casey Mize <laughs> and... Matt Manning and everybody else to kind of grow up and take their lumps, and, you know. We have a lot of good pitching prospects, but I think I, I see a little bit too much enthusiasm as far as, like, the time frame goes. Like, I really love both those guys. I think they're going to be good, but usually starting pitchers don't really come into their own until they're 25 at least, 26, 27. So that's uh, that's still three three years away for, for Casey Mize and four for Manning, so... If everybody wants to wait that long for them to lead the rotation, rather than just kind of being the guys that you fill in at the back end and let them start, you know, getting their experience, uh, more power to you. But yeah, I'd rather just just pay for a bat. You should have just signed Manny Machado. Goddamn it. <laughs> ah well.
0: Well, you know, I yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a wonder what's going to be available
1: on the free agent market at this point with the way these extensions are going. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's another thing. Like, it, maybe you should just take this opportunity to extend, Matt Boy, I don't, I don't know.
0: That's an interesting idea.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. There might be something for you to write about if this keeps that, up here.
0: That uh, piqued me. Oh, I might have to write about that, uh, actually. No, we're
1: all a tingle. Story generation, uh, mid-podcast. I like it. I talked to a very well-known, well-respected Detroit journalist this week, briefly. And his take on, to switch it to Nick Castellanos, his take on that situation is that there have been talks between the Tigers and Nick Castellanos he believes, but that Nick Cassiano still thinks he's worth more than he really is. And that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> would not surprise me, but also, ooh. Yeah. And, you know, and that could be fine. And, and, you know, Nick can, if Nick feels like he has to test free agency and find this out for himself, that no one's going to give him, you know, five years, 75 million. Maybe, maybe that's the way it's got to go before the Tigers circle back to him. And this person didn't know for a fact. So I don't know. I don't know for a fact either. Um, But maybe that's part of the reason why our endless pain screaming at the Tigers to just sign (laughs) and extend this man has gone unheeded so far. I don't know. Uh,
0: That
1: sounds legitimately (coughs) unbelievable. Well, since we had a Trevor Bauer moment, at least already, I think we're good. Um, What I want to bring up is this Zach Greinke story (laughs) that came out this week because that is even better. And the two of them. I I don't know what would happen if they were in the same room. Like, you know, it might destroy the universe. Um, it might heal heal it and bring peace and prosperity to all. I'm not sure.
0: Before we do that, can I just share one of the comments? Um Dan Dania, who writes some of the best fan posts that we have on the site, um, did write a like why I love Trevor Bauer post. In response to your prompt. In response to my prompt. Bless her. Um, but one of the comments in it was somebody who said that a friend. Of theirs had gone on a date with Trevor Bauer once, and that <laughs> he ordered for her, and then ordered himself two soups and combined them into one. <laughs> <laughs> and she said that it was very odd, but he was very polite. <laughs> and I <That's> just <laughs> I can't get over this vision: Trevor Bauer ordering two small soups and combining them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it just delights me so
1: much. That's just- <laughs> it's such a weird story. <laughs> yeah, and it's a, it's such a perfect Trevor Bauer story because it's like it has the douchiness because he orders for her or like never do that, never do that, guys. If you never do that until you guys know each other well, like because you better damn well be right. And then two, yeah, and then like what orders like a bisque and some kind of like what, miso soup or some damn. I don't food? know. I, man, really was, I, I need to know what weird combination.
0: I envisioned it as just being two of the same soup.
1: Oh no, that's
0: even weirder. Yeah. No, I just think he ordered two soups because he really wanted a lot of soup and then just combined the two identical soups into one. That is how I envision that whole story.
1: Oh wow. Well, and here's another dating tip for all the gents out there for my um, endless endless experience. Don't eat soup on a first date, you fool. <laughs> what are you doing? You're going to get it all over yourself, dummy. Don't do that. I mean,
0: unless you're going for pho or something, which I, mean, case, yeah.
1: I suppose it's okay. But right. I mean, and you know, if if you're with the girl who's just going to be like a total free spirit about everything and whatever, then maybe you're in good shape and whatever. Do it do what you got to do. But generally, like you know, soup is a is a poor move. It's like uh, it's like something with marinara or something. Like stay dry. Stay dry on the first date, folks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Lessons to live by dating wisdom from BYB. Um, but anyway, go on to the Grinky story. I feel like these two things pair well together. So. They really do.
1: Okay, so then um, this journalist tells a story about um, Zach, Gr- Zach Grinkie uh, back when he was with the Royals when um, I think it's their former former GM. Um, I, oh, I can't remember his name. his last name is Gershley or something like that. But anyway, he calls Trevor Bauer to call Zach Rinkie into his office to tell him. That he's going to call him up to the major leagues, and the conversation goes like this: The GM says, "Zach, I've been told you you're going to do one more start down here, and then they're calling you up. Congrats, kid. You've earned it. I'm happy for you." Zach Grinky, after a long pause, <laughs> "I don't know. You think if we ask them, they might let me go back to Single A and just be a shortstop? I really think I could be a pretty good shortstop." Gershley, <laughs> after an equally long pause, uh, "What in the world are you talking about? Are you kidding?" Grinky, ah, I think I want to play shortstop. I was just thinking I could start at single A and you know work my way back up. Jersey. Zach, this makes no sense. What are you talking about? They're calling you to the major leagues, it's a pitcher. The big leagues, this is it. This is the dream. This is everyone's dream. Grinky. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Grinky gets up from his chair and goes back to the clubhouse. And to this day the other dude doesn't know if he was serious or not. <laughs> Uh, oh, God, I love Granky stories so much. It just reminds me of, like, um, Pete Davidson's, that one character he does on Saturday Night Live where he's Chad and just kind of goes, like, okay, to everything. Just like, oh, my oh. God,
0: the guy with, like, the Benedict Cumberbatch skit or whatever yeah. it was, where it's like, no thanks. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I love that character so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, Zach Granke has even crazier stories than Trevor Bauer does. Like, Zach Granke is, like, a legitimately, like, Savantish individual, whereas Trevor Bauer is a little bit more aware of his trolley trolley nature. There's enough self-awareness there to know that he's being a dick. Whereas you could like Zach Grinky might just like ghost his own mother because he's thinking about something and, and have no idea. You know, he's just truly an odd duck. Yeah, he's a strange fella. Yeah, he really is. Um, yeah, and you know, I have to I have to give Trevor Bauer and Mike Clever just some credit because the two of those those idiots have. Put together a lot of really fun content on YouTube over the past six months or so. Um, They're just a very, very weird, odd couple together. Yeah.
0: I, and that's one that kills me because, like, obviously they are bros, but, like, so Le- bros, bro. Clevenger is, like, so the first guy to, like, insult Bauer to the point where you can't really t- tell if the joke is on Bauer or not. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. But they like it. Like, they, you know, he obviously gets it and they, they talk endless smack and, Clevenger's, like, the much more personable, kind of approachable, you know, he's like a like a scruffy, like, Labrador retriever with, like, dirty hair. You know, that's, that's what Mike Clevenger's, like, I don't know what Trevor Bauer's, like, some weird, like, Belgian police dog or something.
0: One of those, like, <laughs> dogs with <that laughs> <have laughs> really long hair that's, like, really hard to take care of. Oh, yeah the like alapaca dog or whatever they are
1: yeah or like that dog with the dreadlocks yeah the, the braid you know their hair braids up on them something like that i don't know yeah they're uh, they're a piece of work dream team yeah they really are um all right blaine hardy pitch gray again tonight how'd you feel yes, about yes. that
0: of course i loved
1: it <laughs> come on this is
0: like everybody who listens to this podcast knows the answer to that question
1: yeah, My, and it's my, my fantasy Blaine, team name is the Blaine Hardy boys. Like, oh, that's on. right. Yeah. Yeah, and it kind of feels like they're putting together kind of a decent decent group back there. Like, Garden Hires used, like, Victor Alcantara and and Blaine Hardy and Buck Farmer and Daniel Stump and, like, split innings with them and, like, kind of used them against, you know, the, the same-handed guys and, like, mixed and matched those guys through there pretty well. And they're, they've they all put up pretty good numbers as a result. Yeah. Um, Joe Jimenez has been a little bit sloppy. Um, Shane Green had been awesome until tonight. Fung one one curveball to Starling Marte and lost the game as a result. But when you're the closer, um, that will happen. And for Shane Green especially, well, many closers too, but especially Shane Green, like in non-save situation, it's just like he's a different person. <laughs> I don't know. It just always seems to go, go bad when he's out there and the Tigers like don't have a lead. He needs the pressure or something. Yeah, maybe he needs the pressure on them. I, I don't really know. Yeah, but so all right. So the Tigers had the two games with the Twins. They lost both of those. Um, Jordan Zimmerman kind of kind of imploded. Tyson Ross was okay, held it together a little better. Um, that's probably what you're going to get, I imagine, is a bit of a roller coaster with them. Um, but I did want to take a moment just to give the Twins credit because they uh, because they used Blondie's call me during um, vi- during video replay, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, that was cute. And then they came back later with a theme from the Jeffersons. You know, we're moving on up when the Twins advanced on a wild pitch. And I, I loved it. As opposed to, like, some of the stuff that goes on at Tiger Games, I was pretty impressed. <laughs> Maybe my standards have been lowered by some of the, the tomfoolery that goes on in Comerica Park between things. But yeah, that was pretty good.
0: <laughs> the Twins have a pretty good setup down there. Like, it's, uh, if you ever get a chance, I would go to one of those games. Because Target feels beautiful. And they really, like, do put on a good show and like their in-between inning stuff is incredible and it's one of the few parks i've gone to where they like really try to impress upon you how important the like diversity of their fans is to them like they do like things with the players on the screen where it's just like we want everybody here and like everybody is welcome at twins games and remember not to be an asshole basically
1: (laughs) that's great yeah i love that Yep, I haven't been out there yet. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that'll happen this year, but hopefully not too too far from now.
0: You gotta go to a Reds game with me, though.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna do that, and I'm probably gonna get to Wrigley again this year. But I, I do need to start expanding because basically I've seen Wrigley and New Comiskey or whatever the hell you want to call it, and I've seen Progressive and a couple other parks, but mostly all right in this area. I've actually been to Milwaukee, but I haven't been to Target Field, so yeah, that'll that's that's probably next on the list. I kind of would like to go see PNC Park as well, but I don't know if Ooh, that'll yes. happen this year. But it is pretty, super pretty.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful park. I don't have feelings about you know Pittsburgh in general, but <laughs> some someone can change my mind. But I did not enjoy, <laughs> not enjoy
1: it. Um, did you? How did the um, responses turn out for the the Pirates Q and A? Was there anything uh, notable that we should know for the series here as it as it kicks into Game Two tomorrow? Uh, Musgrove was the
0: big standout in that one. Um, so really, I think we've seen. What uh, my my big takeaways from that Q and A were? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I we're like not taking, facing,
1: We're not facing I Archer. That? Oh, sorry, we're not facing Archer.
0: No, nope, we will not be seeing Archer this time around. Um, so yay!
1: <laughs> yeah, that's probably just
0: as well. Although I don't know. I don't. Know. I think that's, that's the other thing, though, is that the Tigers have experience with Archer, right? Because he was on an AL team for so long. And Archer's one of those guys that I think, I mean, my take on Archer is that Archer is at his best through the first five innings. Yeah, so, so he's not really a late in games kind of guy. So I think maybe it might have been nice to see Archer, honestly.
1: Yeah, it might be a guy that after seeing him kind of once, I mean, he's basically fastball slider. And once you've seen that once, yeah, you might be able to um, to beat up on him a little bit. I know the Tigers have hit him hard in the past um trevor williams is kind of a, like a, a dude with a nasty sinker changeup combination he's going to go on wednesday um you'll probably be hearing this before then hopefully uh, versus spencer turnbull um it'll be fun to see spencer again I'm, i've been pretty uh, pretty into the spencer turnbull show so far mm-hmm. i think it's still a bit of a work in progress as far as whether or not he's sort of a a back-end starter type guy or maybe maybe he'd be better as a reliever somewhere down the road but so far he's held his own he's looked um uh, not at all out of place, starting in a major league rotation, so.
0: No, he looks like he fits right in,
1: like. Yep, and we need
0: him, huh? Yeah, now we do. My my thing where we, have, where we have too many pitchers is kind of a moot point at this juncture.
1: Yeah, and I almost don't even want to talk about Daniel Norris because I will just go supernova because he should already have, like, three starts in the minor leagues and just be ready to go, and they've just been dicking him around. Doing this with dudes coming back from injury is just foolhardy and I'm afraid they're going to get him hurt again. And it seems like every time he has a bad outing, it comes down to, ah, you know, I just couldn't get myself to just turn it loose and let it go um, and throw and just throw as hard as I can. I was steering it and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's why he sent him to the minor leagues and just let him throw because he needed rehab starts.
0: Yeah, he needs to like, I mean, I always say it, but he needs that confidence build, I think.
1: Yeah, being able to just go out there and throw all your pitches against you know a lineup that maybe like two or three guys can really hang and hit you regularly is it's just like it helps build confidence. It helps let you just sort of turn loose and trust your stuff. And I really wish they would have done that. I assume they won't do anything quite this foolhardy when Michael Fulmer comes back next year, but I will be on their ass if they do. <laughs> <I'm>
0: kidding. <laughs> Don't the thing just with pitch them Norris... back in there, like, ah, this pitch, you'll be fine. I mean, his velo's down so much. I feel like there's got to be. He needs he needs something done.
1: Yeah, I mean, but it, you know, but it may just be him not throwing that hard. Like he's yeah, yeah. not, you know, because yeah, he's it's all in that leg drive. It seems like, and on days when he's like aggressive and driving off the rubber, he's back in there. He's back 91, 92, a little bit of ninety three, and that would be fine. But yeah, I flipped on game day while he was uh, while he was pitching the other day, and because I couldn't watch the game, and the first two pitches I saw from him were like an eighty six and an eighty seven mile per hour fastball. Both of those turned out to be erroneous, and you can't trust game day, but I, I was like, oh god, he's hurt. <laughs> That's like the first thing that went through my mind. Like, oh, it's all over. They, they've broken him again, just like they broke Fulmer by not <laughs> taking lower body injuries seriously. Going back to Justin Furlander. But anyway. Yeah. Yep. So, we shall see. Um, it looks like, I'm guessing Daniel Norris will get a start. Um, probably against the Pirates. We don't have anybody listed for Thursday. I'm trying to think whose turn it would be... It would be Daniel's. Yeah. I would think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Turnbull, and then Ross, and then Daniel. Yeah, so... Well, no, okay, maybe not. Turnbull, Ross, Daniel. All right, maybe it won't be until the next series. But, yeah, sometime this week, um, we're, we're going to end up seeing him probably against the, the White Sox on Thursday or Friday, so... I don't know. I guess at this point you just just let him pitch, right? Like, doesn't really matter the result. You just try to give him like five or six starts and see if things start to come together, even if he's getting shelled, because you need to know. It's
0: all you can do at this point, really. And part of me almost hopes they do send him down to Toledo.
1: Yeah, I kind of do too. I, you know, I, it just feels like wasted time. They could have, um, they could have almost gamed another year out of him, which is evil. But I don't care in this particular circumstance. So, so it goes.
0: I think it's one of those things where in that case gaming it would have been beneficial for everyone including him. So,
1: yeah, it's not lying to yourself, you know that oh Vladimir Guerrero Jr. isn't ready or Eloy Jimenez isn't ready. It's none of that nonsense. Like we all no, know no. those guys are ready to absolutely hammer major league pitching. We don't know that Daniel Norris is ready to start and be effective. So, yeah, it's a different ball of wax I think too. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I don't know the one. Uh, the one piece of news I really wanted to get into was the announcement that Major League Baseball made this past week—not this week, but last week—that they were going to begin cracking down on people sharing video or or cutting their own video out of game footage, basically. And the specifics of this aren't real clear. It feels like GIFs are going to be fine, but video that has like the you know the broadcasters' voices and stuff like that—it feels like they're going to really smash that. And the first target that they had was Baseball America, um, presumably because they have a paywall. And so people are actually paying for that content. And they have a ton of clips of, you know, prospect pitchers, prospect hitters playing in minor league games. um, And MLB stepped in and made them take it all down. And we don't really know what the ramifications of this are going to be. It sounds like the league is, you know... Come and edit with the pretense that, like, oh, we're going to put out way more video ourselves, and it's going to be higher quality. Uh, you know, it'll be great for everybody. Blah blah blah. But it, yeah, well, it just—it not- it smacks of them jumping in and, and kind of squashing how much work a lot of fans and, and smaller sites do to promote the game, does it not?
0: It does, and it like right on the heels too of them telling uh, minor league teams not to share as much content on Twitter, and them making it harder to search for videos on their actual website. Um, it does not sound to me like they're trying to make things better and easier and more awesome for fans. It sounds to me like they are like Smog hoarding all of the gold. And the gold is any clips of anything game related. Yeah. Like, how does that help you build a fan base?
1: Yeah. And it just it, it kind of goes along with some other moves over the past couple years to just kind of keep asserting more and more control. Like we've we've kind of heard, you know, about how the beat writers haven't had as much access Easier, yeah, had a lot more times where they were just absolutely locked out of the clubhouse. Um, you know, there, there's the whole thing where the, the lineup can't be released now because they've got to get it to the gambling houses, um, to MGM for their bookmakers before anybody else is allowed to see it so they can set the lines and finish taking all their bets. Um, it just feels like, yeah, like MLB rather than sort of like growing the game is sort of like Consolidating every aspect of the game, or trying to, into their little dirty little paws.
0: Damn it, Rob Manfred. I don't, I don't know. To me, it doesn't sound like anything designed to benefit fans or to create a better fan experience, which is what Manfred always keeps pushing as being like, "Let's grow the game. Let's do this." Like blah blah blah. Where, like, just let people make gifts let them make videos let them do whatever they want if people are going to go out and start watching more games because of the stuff they see in these things how is that a loss to you
1: yeah yeah and it just kind of goes with um i mean yeah manfred has said so many things like that that you know we're, we're trying to get out the, you know we're trying to you know get the young people and we're trying to you know promote our stars better and they're not doing any of it successfully and seeing like the mlb account itself on twitter like joking about, you know, how people have always mocked them for not being able to promote Mike Trout and how everyone else is doing it together and kind of like acknowledging that. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah,
0: that's yeah. What, I that's mean, what's it's
1: not working here. Yeah, it's uh it's not good. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, the league owns the game like they can do whatever they want. But it just it's just kind of another example of kind of the way they talk about what they're trying to do running smack against, like, the actual moves that they make. Like, spending all this time obsessing about trimming a a minute or two off game times, but then, you know, it's a big deal that, you know, someone cut a GIF of, you know, whatever, some random prospect somewhere, like, hitting a home run, and you guys are salty about this kind of thing. Um, We haven't heard about them cracking down on, like, individual users or, like, Twitter accounts or anything like that, but you just kind of figure those things are going to come because, you know, the league is, you know... Kind of done this before, where they take like a couple of steps and then kind of see how the reaction is, and then they take another couple. Um, sometimes things work out, like when they banned Pitching Ninja last. Was it last year? Yeah, it was. Was it last year or the year before? An unpaid MLB employee. Yeah. Which has worked out great, and he continues to just absolutely rock it on on Twitter every day. But but um, even
0: he kind of subtly pointed it out the other. He did a poll the other day. And he said, like, how many of you have, like, actually wanted to watch games more because of a GIF or, you know, something you've seen in a a video style kind of short form like that? And tons of people were like, yeah, me. And I pointed out that, like, tons of my friends who do not care a lick about baseball will send me stuff that they find on Reddit that they think is cool. Like that, you know, that classic Jose Fernandez comebacker from Troy Tulowitzki. I've gotten friends sending me that and going, this is crazy. And I'm like, I know, it's pretty cool. Baseball. I am aware of how good it is. I know who these players are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, we just don't know. Like, that may not change. Like, if, as long as people are still allowed to share everything that comes out, and I haven't heard anything to suggest that we won't be. That might be okay, but it's still like that the creation, where the point of creation they are definitely going to be gathering that kind of totally into themselves, and I don't know, I don't know if it's gonna have much of an impact or not, but it's just another one of those kind of creeping creeping moves to sort of like push back against fans kind of generating and and controlling some of the content and and how the sport is promoted and I don't know it's just it's just kind of a drag, yeah,
0: it is it sucks.
1: I had a kid it was a guy from Wayne state who wrote me this week um, and just kind of wanted to ask me some questions for a paper or something. And Oh no, it wasn't him. It was, well, all right. It was another college student who was talking about getting into the, into baseball writing and, you know, kind of asking me like, yeah, like what, uh, you know, what do you suggest and what should I be interested in? And this, and it was just present in my mind today because some yokel asked, you know, what it's like for baseball writers who make 150,000 a year, you know, (laughs) Yeah, something like that, and literally everyone who writes about sports was like, uh, who is that that you're talking about that makes sense.
0: I got such a kick out of that one, I'm still laughing about that. I, honest to God, I, like, you could combine all of the, bless you boys, you could combine, I think, the writing staff of all 30 of the SB Nation. <laughs>
1: I'm fairly confident think... that the FanGraphs like full-time staff is not being paid 150,000, even though they're worth it. So
0: yeah, I said you could combine all of the d Rays Bay and Athletic Rays coverage team and not even touch 150,000.
1: Um, yeah, it's, I mean maybe Ken Rosenthal makes that money. I, I you know what
0: I would doubt that.
1: Uh, he might, but but maybe there's all the TV, Ken there's all the TV gig.
0: Yeah, that's like the Fox Sports money, not the writer money right? Like, no, no sports writer.
1: <laughs> Let's be but for bad. the writers. Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, I think it was our friend uh, Jessica Kleinschmidt who tweeted that, who was the first to just LOL <laughs> at that and send it around and everybody was just like, what are you talking about? Yeah, but, what I, like, but what I told this kid was just basically like, if you want to, you know, if you want to have some kind of a living writing about baseball, you probably need to get into gambling or fantasy baseball because it just seems like that's the way things are going to go. Like, the gambling is going to be bigger. Fans are going to pay attention more the way they do to football, where it's like red zone. And they're watching you know, the guys they have on their fantasy team or the, or the teams that they bet on to win that day. And that, and that's kind of where a lot of the interest lies, as opposed to the old-fashioned, you know, we're taking the family down to the ballpark and everybody's getting a hot dog, soda, and a bag of peanuts. And we're going to sit here for, for three and a half hours. Yeah. Um. It just kind of feels like you know the league has sort of begun to acquiesce to that as their, as their future. And um, I don't know. I mean, to some degree, that might be all right. Obviously, the business of the league is doing very well. That's that's not so much the problem. um, As any of the players will tell you, (laughs) the league itself is doing just fine, and the players are for the most part doing all right. um, Other than the minor leaguers who are getting screwed on a daily basis. Um, But yeah, it's just hard to know. Slow turns. Towards being better, but you know, yeah. slow, very slow, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just I've had those kind of questions a few times, and yeah, I just don't really know how to answer. You know, people who kind of want to know how to like, you know, make some kind of a living at this. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah if you figure it out, <laughs> give yeah, us a call, let me know
0: like I do the same thing with people who want to get into writing.
1: Oh yeah, I'm um, like, if you want to be a
0: novelist, have a day job and don't get rid of it. Like, I I write professionally about sports. I publish at least two books a year, and I still have a full-time job. And between the three of those, I'm barely making a living wage. Like, I mean, you know, living being
1: kind of... Like a reasonable living. A really comfortable
0: homeowner-level
1: wage. Yeah, where you can take a vacation a year. I mean, part of that is just you don't have kids and stuff, you know? I mean... It helps. Yeah, if you had kids, you'd probably be a little... Things would be tight. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just hard to know what what to say to people in, in that in that circumstance. Cause yeah, it's um it's just a hard time to to expect to be some kind of a sports writer of, of any sort and make any money. Um I don't know, yeah, like so so like the best advice is like get a get a solid office job that doesn't demand too much of your mental energy mm-hmm. per day to where you can write some things and do some reading and, and yeah, and still so kind of maybe check up on okay. keep
0: keep Twitter up or you know, maybe sneak a game in if you have three monitors. Not that I do that.
1: Yeah, I don't do any of this either, for anyone who out there who knows who my employer is, yeah. I certainly I, I certainly work. would never be doing anything other than cranking out important county library issues. Mm.
0: Work I work very hard <laughs> and never ever watch baseball at work.
1: Yeah. And we but, would I mean, not advise like, anyone to do a... anything different
0: it's such a moot point. Like I can do my job very well and have a muted baseball game in the background.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just one of those jobs where you don't, where you can actually be sitting, you know, if you can find a job like that and then just, you know, you just have to pursue it and hope you strike some gold, you know, write, write a book, try to write for them. everybody. Um, don't be shy, you know, ask questions, get told to shut up and, you know, stop it. Stop pestering me, kid. Pitch like, stories. You know, yeah. Pitch stories. I mean, don't of-
0: pitch them on Twitter, but most, most places are open like hardball times has a how to submit like there's all sorts of places you can submit stuff right i got started writing fan posts at bless you boys and then i between that i i started my own blog and i'm like hey guys look at all this writing i can do and as long as you have a portfolio where you can be like look at my work then that's how you start building it up and now I can pretty much just pitch myself on accolades and be like, here are the places I've written for, and yeah. that's enough.
1: Yeah, but don't be, you know, I mean, if you're trying to do this, don't be dainty and think like, oh, I just want to write about this, or I want, just want to write about that. Because no one cares what you want to write about, you know. Everyone wants to write about the fun stuff. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, build a diverse portfolio where you kind of write all sorts of articles. Read um, recaps, read breaking news stories, see how they're put together. Yep, read all the smart yeah, follow all the smart writers out there. You know, follow your Sung Min Kim. Follow your Cheryl Ring. Follow, you know, whoever you got. Jeff Sullivan, um, Grant Brisby, obviously. Like, you know, follow the big people and, and read everything they write and kind of how they go about it. And, you know, try to learn from that. Don't, don't parody it, but try to learn from it. And then, what was the other, who was the other one? Um, oh, Deadspin, actually, I thought, put out a pretty good post a couple weeks ago all about, like, how to pitch stories. And it had, like, specific examples of, like, successfully pitched stories and like what you know what the initial pitch was how the story turned out a little bit of like the process um stuff like that is really useful because a lot of times that information is sort of sort of held in secret trust if you're not in the inner circle or come through a writing program where people point you in the right directions and things so
0: yeah i gave one of the d race -Race writers the tips on how to pitch to the hardball times the other day and i was just like you know here's an example of a pitch that i sent in and make sure that you can kind of outline the stuff that you're going to talk about in the post and what you're going to reference and, and all that sort of thing and just make it very clear that you actually have an idea and not just a whim.
1: Yeah, yeah, so. and like a yeah, like in a vision how to, for how to finish the, the story and, and, yeah, like, and make like, it you, saleable you, to them. Yeah, Something that where they can look at that pitch and be
0: like, oh, I get the idea of what this story will be. Yes, please write this and I would like to read it.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, and on you know, another good piece of advice, is just talk to someone smart like Ashley who knows what to tell you. Whereas I just stammer and I'm like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> you need to go find something else. I'm telling you, this is hell. You don't want any part of it.
0: <laughs> Actually, that's a you know a genuine suggestion. If anybody out there is trying to break into sports writing at all or writing in general, um, please just hit me up on Twitter. Like, shoot me a message. I am more than happy to chat and be. Dead honest with you guys, both about the publishing industry and baseball writing, sports writing in general. It's all very, very hard, Um, and it will (laughs) exhaust you emotionally and often physically.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, don't don't ask me because uh, I'll be the one telling you no, you just shouldn't. Just don't do it. Just quit, and just kind (laughs) of and just keep pestering you to quit and that you suck and you'll never be able to do this and you know because the way it works out is (laughs) only the people who can't help themselves but but have to want to do it. Yeah. tend to make it so i well, don't know that's, the funny that's like thing cruel for me because i
0: <laughs> i was in a lull with publishing where publishing was really hard and it, i wasn't making any money on books and anything like that and i was just really down about it and i'm like what should i do and like and then somewhere in the back of my idiot brain um little voice said you should try sports writing <laughs> 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 like <laughs> let's take one like incredibly difficult somewhat dying industry and let's <laughs> like put that on the back burner and pick up another incredibly difficult competitive industry that's even harder on women yeah and let's get into that <laughs> like let's just dive right in and it's ludicrous like i have a bigger following now in sports writing than i do in publishing
1: yeah um you make... have a lot of books published how many books how many novels have you written 23
0: i think and then I have two more that have to be written this year. So I got to get on that. And yeah, now I have more followers for baseball than I do for my books. I, I make more money writing about baseball than I do about books, which isn't a brag on either part. It's sad. Both, both columns are sad. Let me say that.
1: But um, don't, but basically don't limit yourself in, in those ways. Like be a contract. If you're smart and you can write and, and put yourself across you know, whether by voice, it has to be by word. You have to be able to do that. But if you can do those kind of things, yeah, branch out. Don't, you know, tr- treat yourself like a like your own company, not, you know, I'm going to just do this or I'm going to do that. We've had a couple writers come in and, you know, you know, it's fine because, you know, if that's all you want to do, that's OK. But you're not going to get anywhere being like, I just want to write about prospects or I just want to write about the draft or I just want to write about, you know, pitching or I just want to write about the business of the game. You know, you're just never going to get that 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 far anymore. Um, being a specialist, you have to be able to specialize in certain things, but you also have to be able to do everything and do it well and do it fast. <laughs> so, well, and that's yeah. the
0: other thing. You might have big dreams of writing about, like maybe I really just wanted to write editorial pieces. I my big passion is writing about baseball history. I love writing about baseball history but like Saber's got it covered (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes i can join saber and write about it for them and that is actually a goal of mine and i'm gonna do it but i also you also need to be able to do those things like here's a short form about something i saw on instagram today and you know the so-and-so got traded here are the dynamics of that trade and you have to be able to write everything well because those things need
1: to get written yeah, and in, a ti- and, and in a timely fashion and, and done right the first time. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're that person, there's going to be an editor somewhere who loves you and values you. <laughs> um, but yeah, and mm-hmm. beyond that, like you just said, like, I mean, you nailed it. Like, all the other things, like, you should be able to, you know, if you if you want to, you know, to work in any kind of, you know, social media involved thing, you better be able to produce content. You better be able to make up a meme or Photoshop a picture or cut GIFs or something. Um, You have to be able to kind of do all those things and turn yourself into that jack-of-all-trades who can, whatever, produce a podcast for yourself or, you know, all these different things. So, yeah, just um, don't limit your thinking about it, I guess, is is the key thing. And, you know, and then if you're really serious about it, you'll fight through when someone like myself is like, oh, don't do it. Join the <sighs> army, kid. It's safer. <laughs> uh, yeah, Speaking it's of- a drag. Well, it can be, but it's also—I mean, it's also I love super it. fun. I trade it
0: for anything. That's I mean, the funny. thing. Like,
1: if you love baseball, like covering baseball, like brings in a, a level of appreciation that I couldn't have had before, um, because of all the smart baseball fans that we have to yeah, talk yes. to. Yeah, that and was smart, the most funny the whole, baseball fans.
0: The entire conceit of the article that I had in um, Road Grays, which was that Kickstarted magazine that I was in. The entire conceit was what how writing about baseball professionally absolutely shifted my appreciation of the game. Like, I, I went from being Tigers, 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 Tigers to being, oh, I saw this cool thing that happened in that Reds game last night. Oh, like, I watched an entire Pirates game because a no hitter was going on into the eighth. Like, I, suddenly it became about baseball. And I think that that's such a fascinating shift is that, yeah. It can become a drag to write about a specific team. Like it does, kind of, it it sucks the the base level love out of it. I think, in a way.
1: Yeah, there's less enjoyable moments with the Tigers, obviously, right now. Yeah, you
0: you, you can't blindly love a team that you have to write negative things about. Um, You have to like look at all those pieces, and it really forces you to kind of address a lot of the problems with a team that you might have very blindly loved as a fan.
1: Yeah. But I and think everyone like, tells you this, right? You everyone learn, tells you yeah, when you yeah. start, yeah. Oh, you're, you know, you're not going to be able to to just be a homer anymore. It's not going to work. You can't, and it's true.
0: But I think it does give you an opportunity to learn to love baseball in an entirely new way. Yeah, like everything, it becomes fair game for you to like pick and learn about, and you start to see players that you never would have looked at before, and find these stories that you never would have read before. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing
1: yeah oh that's very well said yeah my appreciation for the whole game i think has just grown you know just leaps and bounds um i never would have watched like a kbo game like a korean baseball game just because you know like it was on and there's you know something interesting to watch but when you when you start to appreciate the different styles of the game in different places um you know the different way fans interact with their teams like there's just it just goes on and on the baseball world is is deep and vast. Um, there's lots of different levels to it, and yeah, I mean, sometimes finding a niche in, in something like that is, is another way in. Um, it's just that, like, prospect writing, like everybody seems to want to do do that right now, and it's it's just over flooded. There's there's a lot of really bad prospect writing out there yeah, all yeah. over the place. So everybody's trying to start up, you know, the next hot little scout site, um, and it's it's not that easy. No, and it's it's done. I mean, like, I'm not
0: saying you can't ever be a prospect writer, but there are better ones than you out there
1: yeah yeah it's become a viable option for people who are actual scouts and th- don't want any part of the scout lifestyle because it's not easy um so yeah i mean it, it's just a tough place to break into and really be good yeah
0: especially if you can't travel and watch those games in person and see these players actually play yeah if like, this,
1: this british baseball cat who's got the money to just guy, fly man. around i know i like that guy too but it's just like how are you even doing this I want people to pay me to, like, fly around and watch baseball games everywhere. That'd be great. But more power to him. He's mm-hmm. pulled it off. It's
0: because of the accent.
1: There it is. Damn it. And he looks like Justin Perlando, in the basket. Maybe better uh, in some a- yeah.
0: Lucky S.O.B.
1: All right. I think it's going to take us to the end tonight. Um, I would invite you all to head over to Ashley's YouTube channel, at uh, Ashley McLennan, um, 90 Feet From Home on YouTube. Um, there's a new art. There's a new um, video up on the influence fly rule, which I mean to watch later on because that's one that always kind of boosts me up. And I really like the lingo lessons, like the two plan and etc. That's uh, that was very fun and new. L- L-
0: will come out this weekend. Lugie's on Saturday, um, and then I think can of corn and tin stop are the next two lingo lessons. Oh yeah. Um, tin stop by popular request. I was blown away by that one. Um. That one was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah. So infield fly was today or yesterday, as you're listening to this. Um, and Thursday will be uh, saves. Oh yeah, yeah. So Thursday will be a video on saves. Um, I've started kind of incorporating some actual game footage into these, um, which was a learning curve. Um, but the one in the infield fly rule is actually the very famous Ian Kinsler intentional drop ball. Oh.
1: Kensler, love that one.
0: Because I wanted to exhibit it as an example of what looks like an infield fly rule, but is not, I found it very interesting. So I, any excuse to kind of go back to that clip, um, but it actually applies very carefully <laughs> to what I was talking that about. That is the perfect so example
1: it, of, of like a non-one. Yeah, yeah.
0: Where it looks like we're, you know, an intentionally dropped ball to make a play easier, but because the the runner was only on first there has to be a forced play on third anyway I've learned so much about the infield fly (laughs) rule recording these videos and it is a weirdly tricky one like things very specific things have to be in play um for the infield fly to come in and I think the funniest thing for me is that infield fly seems to be that gatekeeper one that like really weird bros will use to like see if you actually know about baseball yeah and I'm like nine I'm like I feel like 75% of "Quote unquote," actual baseball fans would have a hard time defining the infield fly rule for you. Like, arguably, those tr- bros
1: are like the ones who know nothing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just always always seems to work out that way. When I oh see my, like oh my God, one no, of my so- female friends who writes you know about baseball and they're getting hassled by some dude, it's always just some complete moron like trying to quiz them on things they themselves wouldn't know if they weren't looking it up right at that moment.
0: Well, Sarah Sanchez from League Cubby Blue posted a a poll today on Twitter. Where she asked, "Would you consider Greg Maddox to be an elite pitcher or a dominant pitcher, or no?" And of course, of co- like she was a yes. Don't worry, Sarah Sanchez knows her stuff. But I guess she was having a, a fight in a bar with a friend of hers, a male friend of hers, who just did not believe that Greg Maddox was elite. And I replied, "How many? I'm sorry. How many pitchers have an actual feat named after them?" <laughs> like. like and then I took a screen cap of his B-Ref page, and I'm like, "Show him this! <laughs> like, his like 18 gold gloves and his eight All Star appearances, or whatever, and his you know World Series and all of that. You Not know, like what four size? Some anyway, he's got a bajillion. Yeah.
1: He's a goddamn
0: genius. And he's Greg, Greg Maddox. Yeah. Like uh, he, they named a Maddox after oh, him. Oh my god! Like, he has seven of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it, all I can think I, of is that that person thought, like, oh, he didn't throw that hard. Like, is that what they were thinking? Like, I have no idea. I don't
0: know what his definition of dominant was, but, like, I'm sorry, Greg Maddox is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Like, sit down. Yeah,
1: and if, you know, and honestly, and not just sit down, but be thankful that you're not a woman on Twitter, because we would just, you know, you would just get dragged, you know, to come out there with some nonsense like that. Whereas this guy is probably going to be treated fairly nicely because he's Sarah Sanchez's friend.
0: Yeah. And she, you know what, she said that he was just like, he wasn't being mansplaining about it or anything, That's good. That's so good. I'm sorry to him but like, how do you not think Greg Maddox is a dominant pitcher? You
1: absolute lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Come to your senses, sir. Your friend is Sarah Sanchez maybe you should um, ask her more about baseball, bro. That's all I'm all saying.
0: May, maybe listen to the girl, maybe listen to the woman who writes about the Cubs on the regular, right? Like, I'm gonna
1: guess she knows a lot more than you, dude. She, She's she's a smart lady she she's a good one there's a lot of good ones out there yeah i could list a whole bunch right now but maybe we should say that maybe we should do a uh, a woman in baseball episode at some point but we'll see i have suggestions oh i know you do yeah yeah i think uh, i think this might be something we should do but um but all right for now let's just wrap this one up <laughs> i gotta go to the bed ba- i gotta go to bed man um what are you talking about? Uh, I yep. <laughs> so I'm
0: going, on, so I'm going on tirades about pragmatics is a very clear indication I've hit my I wall. know. I'm getting all fired up <laughs>
1: about other things now. I'm like, nope, nope. Cut it off right there. Um, yep. Please check out Ashley's YouTube channel because you will find all kinds of awesome content there. Um, follow her at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter. Follow me, Brandon Day, at Fiscadoro74 on Twitter. And of course, follow us at blessyouboys.com and subscribe to our Patreon at blessyouboys.com backslash Patreon. And give us a little bit of a donation um, that helps us to bring you all this fantastic minor league coverage that um, SB Nation refuses to pay for because they're deadbeat swine. Um, and that'll be about, that'll <laughs> about wrap it up for the week. <laughs> Ashley, have a good night.
0: Oh my god, we started this with me laughing at you. It seems really just right to end it that way, too. It's
1: perfect. Yeah, have a good evening.
0: Good night.